This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Love strangers a swindon town fan podcast with me rich pullen proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club i'm back baby i'm back baby doing you okay i am very well thank you very much i hope you are coping well during this lockdown yeah i'm trying my best i'm trying my best i mean the, the question that we're asking during this during this weird period is what are you watching on tv so what's on netflix prime and disney plus and all the others what are you watching <laughs> well to be honest i think i've completed disney disney plus as soon as it came out literally all i was watching sweet life of zach and cody and all that stuff <laughs> and to be fair on Netflix, I've just started Sons of Anarchy. I think everyone else has watched it other than me, so I've heard good reviews about it. So I'll give that a try. I'm more, I'm more interested in in the Disney side of things, to be honest with you. So yeah. I mean, I'm I'm ever so older than you, so I've, I've watched a <laughs> little bit of Smart Guy, but I've watched a lot of Simpsons. Tried to get through the Star Wars because I'm not a Star Wars fan at all, but I thought, well, no, it's I'll, hard to I'll get, get into. through. But it's a commitment, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> all my favourite stuff from when I was a young one, um, they're all on Disney Plus, so I just literally got through them. Happy days. Well, we'll, we'll start with when you were young and So the first question, of course, is when you were younger, who did you support and who were your footballing heroes? I think footballing heroes was more like watching Ronaldinho and players like that. But the club that I supported, my hero there was probably James Coppinger. Lovely stuff. I supported Doncaster. Yes, I literally, I literally went to every game every week, week in, week out, up until probably fifteen, sixteen. Then obviously I had to settle down and concentrate on football. So 
it was yeah, it was a big part of my life for early stages anyway. Going to support them every week. The fact that James Coppinger is still playing yeah. is insane, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy what he's done. And to be honest, at one stage I thought he could go on and go all the way, not all the way to the top, but he could easily play higher championship, maybe low premiership sort of thing. So he was he was massive at the time and I thought highly of him. And obviously he's still doing his thing now, so fair play to him. Let's talk Doncaster then, because I saw that no, Doncaster no. era. Swindon Sparkle comes in with a question later on, but we'll, we'll, we'll ask it now, because, of course, Richie Wellens would have been a Doncaster player during that time of you supporting them. <laughs> yeah, he, um, to be honest, during his time there, he was... Uh, I don't tell him this, by the way. He was probably my favourite player. I think he made the team tick at the time, and obviously, when he moved on, it was it was massive. And I would played, so um, he was probably the best player there when, when I was watching. So, yeah, but I don't tell him that often. Of course not. Probably, probably haven't told him it, yeah. So, keeping on his toes. But, yeah, it was he was probably our best player. I know exactly what Richie Wellens would say. He would say, well, of course I was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, I've got, <laughs> got to keep him humble and uh, not tell him so. Oh, I mean, that era had so many. I mean, on the Swindon level, Gordon Greer would have been there around that time. Yeah, and, uh, and, yeah. and one of the players from that era that I hated more than anything and hated him purely because he always used to score against Swindon was James Hater. You know, name, hate by name, <laughs> hate by nature, always used to score against, especially when he was at Bournemouth. And But a very, very good footballer, wasn't he? Yeah, very good. He was, I think he's a massive legend at uh, Rovers, to be honest. Yeah. When he got promoted to the Championship in the League One playoff final against Leeds, he scored the header, so he was gone down in history, he has. So, yeah. Well, you're a Yorkshireman, being from Donny, so, I mean, yeah. anyone that I know that's from that part of the world is remarkably good at all sports because they play cricket <laughs> and they play rugby union and league up there as well, of course. Were you a multi-sports yeah. kid or were you just football? I've always just been football. I've tried playing cricket, not for me, scared of the ball, <laughs> not a chance. And uh, I started off with a bit of boxing when I was dead, dead young. And I think I played rugby union once at school and I never played again because I seen my mate get hit with a tackle and I was just like, no, not a chance. <laughs> so that was it. I was always mainly football, to be honest. But I tried everything. I just weren't good at it, I don't think. So <laughs> stick to football. Surely you had to play rugby in school, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I tried in like I think I was fourteen, fifteen. I mean, I was on I was on one wing and my other other mate was on the other wing, and he went to tackle the biggest lad and honestly he bounced about ten yards backwards. I was like, not a chance. I'm playing this again, ever again. <laughs> uh, I stood there and laughed at him. <laughs> I played rugby for the school until about the third year of secondary school, and that's when kids got big and it hurt. Yeah, so I was yeah. out out as quick yeah not for me <laughs> it's crazy oh crazy. my goodness so you were just you were football only brilliant so were you yeah. always a centre forward or have you played around the park during your early years of playing football to be honest when I was uh, younger up until about 14 I was a centre midfielder I was yeah I was mainly a centre midfielder then I obviously I just got moved up into striker and to be fair it was a lot easier because I didn't have to run as much. <laughs> For me at the time, I was just like, nah, I'll just stay up top. And it was obviously it took a lot of hard work to adjust to it, but um, yeah, it was, it was probably the best thing to happen to me. To be fair, yeah. And when you were playing junior football, how prolific were you? 
I wasn't bad. I think the best season was when I was under 16. I used to count all my goals, and I think I think my granddad at the time used to give me 50p a goal, so I felt quite rich after that season. Probably had about 20 quid all in all, but it felt like I'd scored loads, so it was um, it was good. Probably my most prolific season. So yeah, it was good. When was it apparent that Jerry Yates, the youngster, had potential to become? A professional. So, what was your journey into into the academy system? I suppose, if if indeed there was one for you. Yeah, well, obviously, when you're younger, um, playing um, Sunday league all the time, and obviously going to tournaments and stuff like that. And to be fair, there were a lot of a lot of scouts about and that go to these tournaments all the time. Obviously, I'd spoke to a few and stuff like that, but I didn't really didn't really bother me. Yeah. So open for the first three four years up until I was like under 11s maybe I didn't really didn't really bother me about going for trials and stuff like that and um, obviously you trial all over the, and then eventually I, I got to a place where I wanted to trial and I was trialing it I think I had a stint at Leeds which didn't go very well and then end up at Doncaster end up obviously Doncaster was my main option as well because I supported them massively at the time and when they said they wanted to come see me on trial I. Obviously, tried my best and ended up getting in for four years. So it was, yeah, it was good. Yeah, massive loads of scouts at tournaments and stuff. So on, it was always on show. On the tournament front, the the summer yeah. tournaments are the best, aren't they? They're they're the ones that I used to look forward to. The eleven aside, you know, perfectly fun. But yeah. the, the the six asides and the junior tournaments in the summer. Maybe because yeah. I want a burger more than anything, but you know those, those little those little pitches that just oh, they're so much more enjoyable. I found when I was when I was playing. So, what age are you when you joined Doncaster then for those four years? I think I was either ten or eleven. Yeah, yeah, ten or eleven, and then I stayed up until I was fourteen. Nice, and and so. what what were your experiences of playing uh, for Doncaster? <laughs> were were they good? Who was your coaches, and how did you develop? To be honest, it was it was massive. It was massive for me. I really enjoyed it there. I loved every minute of it, and I felt so confident there. And like, obviously, up until I got released, I was so confident, and so happy there. And I just always thought I was going to play for Doncaster because it was like a massive dream of mine at the time, anyway. And like all the coaches said, I was like good and getting all good feedback and stuff like that and obviously there's obviously some coaches that don't like you and not don't like you or don't think you're good enough or something like like I say it's a game of opinions and obviously it came to an end when I was 14 but yeah it was probably the best time for me to get released and it was the best thing that happened to me because it, I think it gave me a bit of a rocket up my ass to be honest so it was good it's really interesting that you say it was the best time because you know I've talked to my fair share of of footballers 14 is is a real crossroads sort of time yeah. where you could have easily just gone oh well that's it that's that's yeah. you know reach for the smirnoff ice and and so yeah, and, and so forth exactly and and some they don't they they, they crack on and they plug on in between doncaster and then rotherham was there a big gap or were you lucky enough to find find a new place quite quickly at the time when i got released at doncaster I felt like I was one of the better players. So it was, I was going into it full of confidence, going into the meetings and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden I'd just been released. So I was like shocked, upset, everything. I was like all emotions in one. I was like, what's just gone off? 
And I think I cried for about three, four hours straight after the meeting. I was so upset. But then, obviously, I spoke to my granddad and he was saying, um, like, literally, if, if you actually want to have a go at it, just crack on. You've got to work even harder now. So ever since, my main objective when training, playing, is just, just work as hard as you can. You've got to give your all. So um, it was massive and, like I say, I went straight to, I think, after a couple of days later, I went straight to Sheffield United, which felt like a bit of a step up because they was like a full full academy sort of thing. And I went to Sheffield United for like for like a long trial, for like a couple of months sort of thing. And then I ended up uh, going to Rotherham on trial and literally after like a few weeks, they signed me straight away, said they wanted to sign me, but as a striker, so... That's that's how it come about me being a striker and stuff like that. And one thing that's really, really sort of apparent is just how fortunate you guys in in Yorkshire are to have so many big clubs in such close proximity, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, literally, it's, it's a massive catchment area, and there's so many good players. And um, like like I say, it's everyone's looking around, and like I say, there's, there's you've got your Leeds, Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United, Rover and Doncaster. Even, I think even Chesterfield was at the time they was in League One, and obviously they they had a setup as well. So it was it was good to be part of. Is there is there a team that way that you wouldn't play for? Um, <laughs> maybe 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 Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday, maybe. <laughs> but that's probably only because of my uncles they supported them and they always used to wind me up <laughs> and stuff like that. Or, Scummy Rotherham and stuff like that, or Scummy Doncaster. They used to give me some right, <laughs> right shit. But it was, um, it was good. It was good. So I'll probably, probably Chef Wednesday, but we'll see. <laughs> when you when you play for the team that you supported since you were young and it doesn't work out, does that dent your love for them like afterwards? So do you still support Doncaster, or did it sort of kill it a little bit for you? Yeah. I think at the time, I think I got to, f- I think. It- uh, got to 15 and I just thought I, don't, I think I wanted to prove them not prove Doncaster wrong Rovers wrong as a club obviously but um, I just wanted to really hard get hard work and kick on from there and prove them wrong sort of thing at the time and obviously I didn't want to I didn't hate them obviously but um, I felt uh, a bit a bit bitter towards them yeah. and but as I've grown all this like, it's all part of the learning curve like I'll always support Doncaster. I've grew up supporting Doncaster and everything, so I've always supported Doncaster. Sure. It's my hometown, so I've got to um, got to try and represent and support them. So yeah, I think professional-wise, you've got over 120 yeah. games now. I think you can say you've proved them wrong. Once you once you've got that amount, of course, you've got a whole career ahead of you. But once you get over a hundred senior games in the <laughs> professional league, I would say that's yeah. that's enough to uh, stick the old V signs up at a few coaches. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, suppose, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I'd like to go as high as possible. It's it's a proud every day, and for me, it's more making my granddad proud. Yeah. Because to be honest, he was the only one saying, "Stick to your football, work hard, and you'll you'll get to where you want to be." And I'd say it's a massive proud. It comes to all my games and stuff like that. When I got released, my uh, mum, my grandma, and all that stuff saying, "Oh, crack on with your um, schoolwork now, just." Because you know you might not make it in the end, so but my like I said, my granddad always had faith in me. Always took me out football training and stuff. Had me doing my runs and stuff like that. So yeah, it's more for 
him and me sort of thing now, so it's good. Outside the box to Moncair. Good run by him and now Maskell. What was the differences between what you'd experienced at Doncaster and what you experienced as a youth player at Rotherham? I don't know. I just excelled quite quickly at Rotherham. I think it was more mentality. I wanted to work hard and the coaches seen that I wanted to work hard. So they helped me more than, I don't know, maybe some other players sort of thing. And they took a strong liking to me and they knew how much I wanted it and like I say, they worked hard with me, so it was a massive blessing, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, it was good. Yeah, who were your coaches at Rotherham? Um, my first one was, well, my first couple was Steve Moss and Matt Hamshaw. Mm-hmm. Matt Hamshaw's in the first team coach now. Yeah. yeah, he's in the first team coach now at Rotherham, so he's uh, helped me a lot. And obviously, I've got to be, I'm very grateful towards them two people because they were the first people that signed me at Rotherham and um, obviously they they came up as being my coaches through like the youth system as well up until I was like under 18s and went on to the first team at the time. Yeah and, and does it help when yeah. the coaches that are with you at that time are also climbing up the ranks as well I mean that must be beneficial also. Yeah they know how good you are. They know when you're off in an off day or blah, blah, blah. They know you inside and out. So um, they, they know what to, how to help you and stuff like that. So it's, yeah. uh, it's massive. It's massive, especially when you're in the first team environment and they're near enough the first team coach sort of thing. So they uh, know how to push you and they need to do extras and stuff like that. So they're always helping you out. Yeah, and this, the stars align really for you at, at Rotherham because they're going through a real rise through the leagues at that stage because I, I mean I seem to remember they went from League 2 to Championship very very quickly didn't they yeah that's what I mean I, I think I seen I went to the last game at the league when they went up in League 2 I was training with them the first week the, the week previous to when they were going up in the Championship going up to the Championship and that was massive for me because I was so scared I thought oh I'd bit scared here. imagine if I'm travelling with the squad or something like that and I was so scared at the time but um, and we ended up going as a youth team to watch them to watch them uh, go up at Wembley and it was yeah I celebrated it like I sub- properly supported them like I was back at Doncaster when I was about 13 so it was weird but yeah it was nice to be a part of so I was training with them every so often and stuff like that so it was it was good your first senior football starts around the 2014-15 season when you are sent out on loan to Harrogate Railway Athletic and I think they were in the uh, Evo Stick Division 1 North at that stage. So that's not too too lower level, but it uh, must have been yeah. quite tough. How did you find that? Do you know what? I knew because when we was at the youth, court, uh, youth team, we always had to wait to go on loan after the uh, Youth Cup which is a massive cup in, obviously, youth team. And um, obviously, we, we went out of that, um, got knocked out of that. And then as soon as that finished, I went to see my youth team coach. I said, listen, I need to go out on loan here. I want to play men's football as early as possible because I knew it was a massive experience experience for me. Yeah. And um, I think I, he said, listen, I've 
it's not majorly high, high standard, but you need to go play men's football. And they said Harrogate Rail. I was like, yeah, straight away, 100%. And obviously I went, I think, I don't know how long I went there for, I don't know if it was like four or five games or something like that. Might not even be that. And I scored a couple of goals. And honestly, it was, I think, I think I played first five minutes and I got smashed up in the air. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, what have I got myself in for here? Obviously, I think it, at the time it toughened me up. And I just thought, all right, then you're in a game now, sort of thing. It was a lot, a lot different to the youth team. And it was probably the best thing I've done. And loans are the best thing I've ever done. So it was good. Yeah. I, I... I've always I've watched quite a bit of non-league football in my time, and I always wonder what the, the what young players get from it. In the sense of, it's always quite clear that for whatever reason, oppos- opposing players they might look and say, "Oh, this this kid's on loan from Rotherham. Let's mess yeah. with his head a little bit." And some yeah. some footballers do not. I mean, there there is a, there's a history of Swindon young players who go out on loan to local teams around Wiltshire and 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 the surrounding counties, and the, the the hope is for them to do what you did in that spell, which go there, play a few games, score a couple goals, come back having that experience and wanting yeah. more. But some of them don't flourish in 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 during those loan spells, and suddenly they're on the bench at that yeah. level, and it kind of falls apart from them. Very rarely. Do those players, for whatever reason, bounce back from that? If they if they fail at Melksham Town, for example, how are they? You know, it pretty much, for want of a better phrase, it kills their their professional career. Yeah. So it, it is, although it's absolutely sensible to go out there and play games, it is a roll of the dice. I think. Yeah, it is. It's a scary time because you know if you're not well, you feel at the time that. If you're not good enough to play at this level, I'll never be able to play higher. So it dents your confidence like that, and yeah. it plays on your mind. But like I say, you've got to go, you've got to go into these environments to see see if you can cut it. And obviously, you've got to go in there, prove yourself, and then you've got to try and get in the starting lineup at somewhere that's you feel is low, is a low standard. But it's it's got to be done. It's yeah. got to be done, and um, I think it's it's massive for under 18s. And when you're 18, 19, you go into these uh, places and you've, you've got to cut it with men sort of thing because it's, it's a cutthroat um, business and you need to learn how to deal with it and it's, like I say, it's good. Yeah. I mean, you, you, spend, you spend that time there, you have a great old time, brilliant, and then within days, weeks of you completing that spell, you're on the bench for the yeah. first team on a trip to St Andrews, a massive ground against a massive yeah. club. You know, you know, it's not the biggest gate in the world, but sixteen thousand compared to what you had experienced in yeah. your youth career. How did how did it happen? Was it a case that there were injuries, or did you impress to the point where oh, I'm going to stick this kid on the bench? I mean, we're talking Steve Evans here as well, one of the scariest yeah. people um, in the Scary. business. We're going to talk scariest about that. Man <laughs> so, what what are your memories of? Of, of that debut that you made at championship level against Birmingham? I think he told me the day before, Friday, he dragged me into the office and I thought, oh, man, what have I done now? Because <laughs> I, I I think in my second year scholar, I think it was me and one of the other lads who used to have to clean his office every day and he used to have to go in, knock on his door and like hoover around his, uh, around his desk and stuff like that. And he used to be quite awkward. And obviously at the time I was like dead nervous. 
and I think he says it was it was one of them coaches where he wanted you to be confident. He was like, "Do you want to play? Do you want to do you want to play tomorrow? Do you want to play for the first team?" I was like, "Uh, uh, yeah." And he was like, he "says Well, you've been training with us all week. Um, you may as well uh, and come, may as well come and sit on the bench." I was like, "Oh, all right, cheers." Obviously, it took me. I didn't expect to come on or anything like that because I think I think it was one of my first time on the bench and. Um, when he said, I think he said to me, I don't know when it was, it was like 80th minute or something like that. Jerry get warm. I think we was chasing the game. I think it was 2-1. Yeah. And I was so, so nervous warming up. I think I was warming up and then it hit me and the fans started like singing a song towards me and I was like, oh my God. And it was <laughs> my butterflies in my stomach. It was horrible. And then he chucked me on and all I thought was just run about literally just run about and work hard you don't need to do anything else it's your first time just run about and I think I don't think I touched a ball for about 10 minutes I didn't I think I got a flick on that were it but I don't I didn't I don't think I touched a ball for 10 minutes I just ran about like a headless chicken and that's all he wanted me to do to be fair to him he just says come on run about and work hard yeah and like I say the fans at the, at the time they were singing my name and I could have I could have literally just dropped into tears it was it was crazy it was crazy for me because I'd never experienced anything like that. I was like, "What?" And then, uh, yeah, that's that's how I got my first first appearance. Yeah, and can you remember your squad number? Thirty-nine. Oh, close. Forty. It's forty. Yeah, forty. Yeah, I 40. don't know why I said thirty-nine. That was the year after. <laughs> yeah, thirty-nine, forty. And and can you remember yeah. the uh, sprightly uh, right back that played for Birmingham that day? Paul Caddis, yes. I told him, I, I told him I, he was there when I made my debut when he first came, and yeah, it's it's crazy at the time. It's crazy <laughs> to think I'm playing with uh, playing with him now. So it's yeah, good. Yeah, and your strike partner that day was Matt Derbyshire, and nobody's going to care about Matt Derbyshire, but I bloody love his career because you know he he started in non-league, then played yeah. in the top flight with Blackburn, and then he had a, a spell up in Greece he's in Cyprus now but it, it yeah. must it must have been good to have someone so experienced by your side during during those five ten minutes yeah um, Matt Dabshaw was ledge for me he'd always welcome me and stuff like because when you go up and train with the first team you're always nervous and obviously everyone has they just talk amongst yourselves and stuff like that so you feel like a bit of an outsider he'd always come over and make an effort with me and stuff like that it was it was ledge for me Matt Dabshaw and obviously we talk Every now and every now and then now. So if I need anything or anything like that, I'll just chat to him. Really, he's he's a good guy, and obviously he made me feel comfortable when I went up with the first team. So it was good. Yeah. So Steve Evans, how, I mean, you mentioned he's scary. How how scary on the scary scale is he? Oh, well, I've got a couple of stories. I um, we went out to train. I was training with the first team. Obviously, I got in a little bit late because we used to come in with the youth team, and which were a bit earlier than the first team. And I got in a bit late. I got obviously I got a bollocking off the youth team, but I never thought the first team manager would know. And um, obviously, I was he was saying, "Oh, the assistant at the time, he uh, said, oh, 'Are you training with the first team?'" So I was like, "All right, no worries." But I forgot to clean his office, so I've gone out to training, and we do, we always used to do a fifteen minute run, like like a warm-up run, not no serious pace, just a 15-minute run. And he's walked out during this 15-minute run. He shouted my name. I'm like, oh, no, what have I done? 
Let me not fucking over my office this morning now. Get out of there and stop running now and get up here and over my office. So that's just me and him. I've ran off whilst everyone's warming up. I've ran up to the uh, in my boots, ran up into his office, got mud on his floor with my boots. He's like, you best fucking take them off now. And obviously I'm taking these off and um, I end up moving in his room. He says, don't ever take the pits like that again. I'll go on, get back out. And I come running out at the end of the 15 minutes and I was just like, oh my God. But it was embarrassing because it was in front of everyone and all the first teams laughing and stuff. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was one of the stories. The other story was, I think it was the end of training once and there's a golf course behind the, the training ground. I remember doing shooting with him. You literally just we'd pass it into him and you just lay it off. And he, to be fair, his layoff was literally perfect every time. <laughs> and he's obviously everyone's shooting and stuff and he's laid me one off and I've tried to just smash it and uh, it's literally gone so high and over into the golf course. And he just looked at me and went, you fucking hit it over the bar and hit it over into that golf course again. You'll be fucking back down with the youth team. You won't be seeing first team ever again. <laughs> and at the time, I was so... I was like, oh, my God, OK, sorry. <laughs> and I got to the back of the queue and all the lads just decided, put, my, put the hand on my back, just like, don't listen to him. You'll be all right, you'll be all right. And I can remember getting to the next one. I literally just tried passing it into the corner and it was just like a back pass into the keeper. But he was so relentless. But I think at the time it was it was good for me because like I say it's a cutthroat business and I needed to learn to take stuff like that. And um, yeah, it was as scary as he was. He loved me at the same time, and it was good for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I always find a measure of somebody who's scary who's got if you've got no fear of bleaching your minimal hair like he does, you know oh, he's got uh... you know he's got no fear. <laughs> Oh, he's a big character. The one with the, uh, when he turned up as, did he have one of them hats on at Ellen Road once? Yeah, yeah. Oh, when he turned up in that, I was dying when I seen that. <laughs> he's he's a character. He's Honestly, he can be so funny and then he can just switch it up. Yeah. And just be like, bang. I was like, oh my gosh. So, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was a very intimidating character, so when to you, say the least. So when you have that, taste of first team football at least you know senior football championship yeah. level are you at that point are you rubbing your hands together and going right this is it now I'm going to kick on or were you expecting the following season to go out on loan or, or to sort of go back into the into the development leagues what happened there what in my first year professional yeah because it's it's, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's a it's a tricky time for Rotherham isn't it yeah it's, it's, it, it's massive it's massive at the time and I think I think I turned up to, into my first year professional like expecting to be around it because I because I'd done so well as a youth team. Obviously training literally every day and doing exactly what the first team does, it takes its toll and it's obviously a lot tougher and um, stuff like that. I wasn't even getting on the bench or anything like that. I wasn't playing. So it was weird. I was just playing reserve games which wasn't so regular. It was like every three weeks, two, three weeks. And then I don't I don't know if was it I think that was the season where I went to Harrogate. Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and I had the chance to go to Harrogate. I think that was Conference North. Yeah. And um, I literally snapped snapped hands off to go there. And I went there, obviously, did all right. Um, obviously, it was a step up from playing regular football at Harrogate Rail- Railway. I went there and I think I did okay. And like I say, it got cut short again. And then come back and sat on the bench and stuff like that. And then I think I went out again to Harrogate. And then, like I say, it was just 
it was a frustrating year. It was probably the year that I thought this is like a you've got to really knuckle down now, like because if you want to play proper football regularly, week in week out, you need to. These are the standards you've got to meet and stuff like that. So it was it was tough. It was tough the first year or two as a professional. Yeah, and, and the fact that there's a, a bit of a merry-go-round of managers at that, that year as well, isn't there? Because Steve Evans yeah. leaves, um, I think then uh, Neil Redfern, and then Neil Warnock, who keeps yeah. keeps Rotherham up. But also when you look at the stats, not many of the, the experienced forwards ahead of you are scoring many goals either. So is it frustrating when you're thinking, come on, you know, you're giving this guy chance upon chance upon chance, but they're not doing anything. So, you know, give me a go. Yeah. Well, like I say, I didn't really, obviously I thought that in my own head, like surely I get a chance soon <laughs> and stuff like that. But I was one of them. I just did as I were told, like spoke to me when like this needed to speak to me and stuff. Like that. I was quite a quiet lad and obviously... I respected everyone and stuff like that, so I never really went in the office. The only time I'd go in the office and be like, oh, I'm able to go out on loan, like, please. And I'd literally ask it like that, polite, so politely or stuff like that, because I wouldn't want to push anyone's buttons or anything like that or make anyone think negative on me. Yeah. Obviously, say, all the managers that come in, they all spoke fairly highly of me and they all wanted me around the place and stuff like that. So it was, um, it was good, but it was... Tough to take, obviously, seeing seeing that it was the strikers one getting a lot of goals and stuff like that. And I f- felt at the time like I could do my little bit and stuff like that, but obviously it wasn't to be. Yeah. I mean, one of your teammates uh, that season was a, was a fellow forward and, shall we say, the opposite of popular with Swindon fans, um, Chris Maguire. Yeah, he's massive. <laughs> I'd say he was technically very good and he could play, to be honest. He could play. <laughs> As you can see now, and yeah, he was he was he was all right to have around the place, to be honest, because he was a bit of a laugh, a bit of a Jack the Lad sort of thing. So he was he was all right to have around the place. Yeah, I can it... see why Swindon fans don't like him. <laughs> You've seen the pictures, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then things do start to pick up for you um, in yeah. the next season, 2016-17, for the for the first part of it, because Neil Warnock decides he's not going to. Sort of stay at Rotherham, and then Alan Stubbs comes in. And Alan Stubbs at that stage was a promising young manager, but it just doesn't work for him, does it? No, no. Um, fair went on, got to pre season, and I felt quite fit. And that was probably one of the fittest I felt. And um, when I think we went out, I don't know where it was, I think it was Portugal or something like that, or Austria, I don't know. Yeah. And then we went out there and it felt like we had no squad. It felt like we barely had eleven players, obviously the of the first team squad. So I knew I was going to get my chance at this point because I was like one of three strikers. Yeah. So, but at the time I had to prove myself. Still, because he was a new manager, and um, it was it was good for me to be fair, because he was a proper man manager. I know he didn't. Obviously, things didn't work out at Rotherham and stuff like that. But he was a very good man manager, and like I say, we had some good young players coming on loan as well as like adding to uh, what we already had. But in in the pre-season, we felt like we had barely we had a very small squad. So it was um, 
a lot of pressure to put on a lot like a short amount of people and stuff like that. But it did give me a chance and stuff like that, so it was good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. People like Izzy Brown came in from Chelsea, yeah. didn't he? And, yeah. and, and and people like that, and and maybe that shortage of players really acts as a is beneficial to you because you're yeah. around the squad throughout that early stage of the season you get to play against you know massive teams I mean you played against Aston Villa in, for, in front of 30 plus thousands and things yeah, like that and yeah. I think sometimes Swindon fans forget that you do have quite a bit of championship experience don't you yeah I don't know how many games I played that's it I think it was 20 or 20 odd or something like that so it was as much as I thought you didn't score. I thought to myself, I didn't score many. I've just gained a lot of experience yeah. in playing at that level and stuff like that. And at the, at the time, I didn't think it was a great time because I wanted to really excel that season. But obviously, it didn't uh, come to much. But it was such an enjoyable season because I'm playing at a high level, playing in front of big crowds every week. And it's... It's unbelievable and stuff like that. You go and see some grounds that you thought you'd never see and stuff like that. It's, it's just the whole experience was just massive and it was so good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you when you think of the Villa game and you're going up against people like Grealish and you yeah. know and 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 people like Tommy Elphick and James Chester at the back, you know, yeah. coast not superstars, but been there, done that sort of players, and then Literally. You, you get your first goal in January in the league anyway because you got a couple in the League Cup but it's against yeah. Norwich City in front of 10,000 home fans that, I mean that the league goal is the big one isn't it yeah league goal because it come I think the gaffer at Rotherham now I think he was a bit I, I say he was a bit scared to put me in because I was literally the only striker <laughs> at the time only striker so I was, literally was his only choice to put up top and obviously there were circumstances that week that um, was a bit tough for me personally. And like I say, he said to me, he said, I don't expect anything from you before like before the game. He said, I don't expect anything from you. All I expect from you is just to work hard. He says, I know you've got the ability. That'll just show. So just go out there and work hard. And obviously, I um, did all right. I got <laughs> a goal. And that was, I think that was one of our first wins in ages as well. So it was massive. It was probably the best, my best moment in football. Not my favourite. Yeah. Just a sigh of relief because I've had my first chance at playing the first football league competitive start and I've gone and played that well. So it was it was massive for me, yeah. During your first couple of years at Rotherham, who were the players that you looked up to and helped you sort of develop from a, a youth player to a senior pro? Probably Matt Derbyshire mm-hmm. and Danny Ward. Yes. Danny Ward, what a player, honestly. <laughs> so good. So so good, and obviously he's and and he's moved to Cardiff, and is fair play to him because the season he had before he moved to Cardiff was unbelievable, and probably single-handedly like did the best he could for Rotherham, and um, he deserved it thoroughly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Danny Ward's when he was at Swindon, we all yeah. we all expected him because I think we might have been over his first or second year as a pro as a senior pro yeah. and I think we all expected him to kick on and become like a, a, a mainstay top flight footballer. He did get there, but I think I would have, ex- we expected him to go a lot further for whatever reason didn't happen, but in the championship, especially very capable yeah. footballer. Yeah. He's, he's, I don't know why it is. He can just finish on either foot. He's, he's so, he's so, he's good in the air. He's, 
He's so, he's fast. He's so powerful. He's literally got everything. He's yeah. literally got everything. And I'd say that season he was so prolific. He was scoring from everywhere and stuff like that. So fair play to him. He was a good guy to have around the place as well. And he was always sound with me. So it was it was good. Yeah. And good to watch and learn. How beneficial again is the is the word I use? Is it to have a season again because you're still developing? You're not you're not the finished article at this stage of your career. When you're in League One, it's no major loss to you because that probably means more opportunities. Is that is that how you see it when when you're a professional footballer and you drop down because you're localish? You, you know, I don't, I doubt scouts are fully looking at you at this stage, other than maybe loan spells. We, did you? How did you find that year in League One? Like I say, I expect, in myself, I, I try and believe in my own ability and I, I really wanted to kick on again. Yeah. I wanted to, uh, obviously it didn't go to plan and I played a few games and stuff out, but I didn't, I think, I don't think my goal scoring record was good and uh, missed a few opportunities and stuff like that. So I was just get probably more out of frustration with myself. Like, like I say, it was, it was good, but I felt like it could have been better. Yeah. Been a lot better, yeah. The majority of your games so far for Rotherham have been from the bench, so sometimes mm. these are like five, ten, ten, fifteen minute cameos. What does a manager and you know, you've had Warren as your manager now for several years, what do they yeah. tell you when you're getting ready to go on? Because it, it's really hard, even if you're like a been there, done that player, to make an impact with such small amount of time. What is your directive? Because we've heard that Steve Evans just tells you tells you to run around, but when you're when you're coming on and you're on a promotion hunt with with Rotherham or in a relegation battle the year before, what is the yeah. directive? Is it just Jerry get the ball in the bloody net, or is it to just just, just do what you can? I think depends depends if it's like the last twenty to thirty minutes, then they'll say they'll give you like instructions and what to do and stuff like that but if it's like last five ten minutes I'll just say literally go on and just nick as a goal nick as a goal so I've always every time I've been chucked on it's just like nick as a goal or anything like that but um, like I say last 20-30 minutes if I'm getting chucked on at that time I think they believe in they believe that I can go and make a difference so they'll give me instructions and stuff on what to do and stuff like that yeah so yeah Alisson's done well, but surrounded by these players and still managed to find a way out to Paul Allen. Here's Walters. They've got some strength in the box here, if he can get the cross in, Walters, and he can. And Alisson's there! Well, that's an absolute peach of a goal. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC official supporters club. 2018, you, you you go out on loan to Carlisle. You go there. Yeah. You go there as a forward, and you you, co- you sort of finish it as a winger, except for that wonderful December that you have. Well, yeah. How did you find your move to Carlisle? It was good. It was good. I um, I loved it up there to be honest, because it was the first time I've moved away from home. Because every obviously Harrogate's not that far far away from Doncaster. And, it was the first time I moved away from home, so I was nervous. But uh, once I got up there, the manager was ledge with me and stuff like that. All the lads was ledge with me. And I felt part of something. Mm. I felt part of a group and I felt like everyone respected and um, they put a lot of trust in me like to, 
to go out and do the job and play every week and stuff like that. So I really did feel part of uh, part of a team there. So it was good. And obviously, and could have could have gone uh, a lot better maybe. But like I say I was playing right wing, left wing, left wing back and stuff like that. So it was it was a bit crazy at the time until I got my chance up top. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think John Sheridan is the ledge manager, isn't he, yeah. at that stage? And I think that would have mean Tommy Wright would have probably been the assistant yeah, yeah. as well. So you've got links yeah. there. And of course, Hallam Hope would have been there also. Yeah. So plenty of, of Swindon links. But, you know, you had that because we're in the same division as Carlisle that year, of course. And we just rem- I just remember that December where out of nowhere, you know, Jerry Yates become like, the name yeah. in in League Two, didn't you? Because you you went and scored something like five in in five or something like that, and it and it earned yeah, you. Yeah. I mean, is it a case that that form earned you your return to Rotherham, or or was it that it was always going to end in January? Yeah, I think that form. So yeah, I think that form was um, always going to go back to made me always go go back to Rotherham. So yeah, but like I say, I was in the same predicament this year and I was like, oh, I want to go back. I want to go back to Carlisle. I want to go back I want because I want to play every week and now I'm just going to be, um, not just going to be sat on the bench or stuff like that, but I've got to earn. It, it was just the fact for me, I just wanted to play every week yeah. and I was enjoying it so much and like I say, I just wanted to keep my form coming and keep my form going and stuff like that. So it was a bit mad, yeah. Obviously, I had to wait for my time at Carlisle to finally play up top and stuff like that. So it was, it was good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you go from you know your final game for Carlisle, you score against Macclesfield, and then within yeah. a couple of weeks you're expected to you know do the business at Portman Road against against Ipswich. And do you notice yeah. the gap between League Two and the Championship? Is it insane, or once really for a professional footballer, once you're on the pitch, it is what it is. I think in your head, um, it just is what it is. Like you're going out to play a game of football. And I think everyone, everyone should think like that. Just play with a smile on your face, and you know you've got the ability, or she won't be there. Yeah. Let's be honest. If she didn't have the ability, you wouldn't be. They'd just leave you at Carlisle. So that's how I thought at that time. But obviously, there's a, there is a massive difference, and it's a lot quicker and stuff like that. Obviously, players are a lot more cleverer and stuff like that. So it was. It was tough, but um, like I say, for me at the time, I just wanted to go and I just wanted to go and play every week because I was enjoying it so much. I felt I felt an important part of a team, and yeah, it was I really enjoyed that loan spell. To be honest, yeah. yeah. And back at Rotherham, you've, of course, I didn't even think about it. Michael Smith's a teammate at this stage. Who, yeah, who was. I mean, I'll be honest. Michael Smith, I think, got a rough ride from some Swindon fans. He was he was okay. Yeah. He was pretty decent football, and it like kind of like what happened to you when you moved from Doncaster and and made it. The fact that yeah. Michael Smith plays in the Championship now, and um, a lot of a lot of Swindon fans didn't necessarily think he was up to the uh, to the upgrade but he's he's his worth in a, in a side he may not be prolific for Rotherham but he certainly does his bit doesn't he yeah of course he is um, he's the main man at Rotherham and like I say uh, he's he works hard strong strong as an ox he <laughs> runs his socks literally runs his socks off and to be fair at Rotherham as a team that's 
that's all I really ask for. You work hard and then you can't give me nothing else. Yeah. So, like I say, he's, he's, he has got in amongst the goals, so he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. his goal record for Rotherham is massive. So, um, yeah, but they love him at Rotherham and like I say, he's what a guy as well. He's so, he's so ledge and then, but like I say, he's the main guy and he literally does everything. Yeah. Holds the ball up, runs channels, gets in the box, everything. So, yeah, he's, he's massive for Rotherham and <laughs> so that'd be a great signing for them, yeah. <laughs> and and what amuses me is, of course, you know, you played at Carlow and there's Hallam Hope, and you you play at Rotherham, and we bring in Matty Palmer um, this year. I kind of think they're trying to accommodate Jerry Yates. Is there any any pals that you would like Richie Wellens to sign just to uh, <laughs> just a sweet in any future deal? <laughs> no, no, I think he knows what type of players he likes and stuff like that. He knows them. Um, he knows who to uh, sign and stuff like that. So <laughs> it, that, I'd say he's, he's done well to get the squad together that he has this season. I think. Yeah, it, it, it could was a, easily easily play League One <laughs> and be up there as well. So it's it's nice. a massive squad and a good squad. That'd be nice. I mean, I was dreading asking that question simply because you might have said, well, yeah. I, "I don't like Matty Palmer." So <laughs> <laughs> no, me and Matty are cool. We're cool. <laughs> Hello, I'm Stephen Bender, and you listen to the Loaf Stranger podcast. Well, my memories of last summer are as thus. Really, Richie Wellens in the new, well, maybe not direct quotes, but one of the names that is always there is Jerry Yates. Richie Wellens wants Jerry Yates. That that was the one that he seemed to be pushing more than anything. And I've got to be honest, I really did fear for you a little bit, not because I'd looked at your record and how many goals you scored, but when yeah. when when it's known a player is wanted and they, they're not maybe, you know, a, a massive name in football at that stage, the fans will judge you. And they'll judge yeah, you of course, yeah. very, very quickly. So when we're hearing about you know Jerry H, Jerry H, Jerry H, and you've got those sort of football manager experts who pretend that they know all about you and they watched yeah. you know, those random games when which weren't televised, but but he really did make a very, very big push for you, didn't he? Yeah, it was it was ledge how it came about. Um, obviously, he spoke to me and stuff like that. He even came up to Doncaster to meet me. And then I came down to Swindon and stuff like that. And when I when I went into the office at Swindon, it was um, he showed me, he, he sort of sh- like showed me. He said, "Listen, you're my top priority. I, w- I wanted to get you in and stuff like that." And so I sat in there after about five ten minutes. I just said, "I want. That's where I want to go." He made me feel so important. I can't, I can't not go. Yeah. Well, and um, like I say, it's. it's it's been great for me and it's always been great for me and I'm so grateful that it's happened and yeah, it was the best deal that got done, yeah. Yeah, and, and, like, I, and like I said, it, it sort of, I, I, I need you to hit the ground running and not because I demand yeah. it, I, I need it because yeah. I, I need you to get the support from the start and I'm not saying, I'm talking about football fans generally, Not it's, yeah, this is course, not yeah. this is not an aspect of that is Swindon, you yeah. know, as soon as a centre forward doesn't score for X amount of games, 
people begin to worry or write off. But your debut against against Scunthorpe, straight in there with a debut goal, opening goal of the season, and yeah. it really did set the set the standard, set the pace for you for the remainder, didn't it? Yeah, um, I'd say we worked hard all pre-season and stuff like that, and like say you you look at stuff on Twitter and stuff like that, and they're, they're looking at your goal record and saying, "Oh, is is he good? Is he going to be good enough?" and stuff like that. And I think if I read anything like that or any little negative comment, it probably put a bit of fire in my belly. To be honest, yeah. I think right, I've I've got something to prove here, and knowing with the way uh, the gaffer plays football and stuff like that. I knew I'd have a chance and I'd get a lot of chances to score goals. So, yeah, especially when that first goal went in at Scunthorpe, I was so happy, so happy because all my family was there. The fans were going mad because it's red hot and obviously, I don't know, they've had a drink, they've had a pie, <laughs> literally going mad, flying, playing good football. And when I scored, it was it was a great feeling, yeah. Yeah. What, what sort of pie are you having? Oh, Venture from meat, potato, or chicken bolty for me. Okay. Which stands. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Chicken bolty shows you the Yorkshireman in you. I think um, um, <laughs> it, it's steak and kidney. But I'll have, I'll, I'll have a meat and potato pie all day long. Don't you worry about that. Yeah. I mean, scoring against Carlisle early on as well, because Carlisle really wanted you as well. They made a, they made a big point yeah. of it, and then you score against them at the county ground, and it's wonderful. That was a nice day, wasn't it? And and 3-2 mm. doesn't reflect the performance. I think we were far more comfortable than that in reality. Yeah. How, is it, how does it feel when you score against people that you were sort of like high-fiving just a few months before? Is, is it weird? Yeah, it was It was quite weird. but Because um, obviously that, to me, there was the options for me, Carlisle or Swindon. And, and I, really, cause I really enjoyed my time at Carlisle. I thought, oh, just go back to Carlisle, that's where you feel comfortable. And yeah. stuff like that but obviously it's after speaking to the gaffer and what he's trying to accomplish and build and stuff like that it's literally swivelled my head 360 and I'd obviously want to try out for Swindon and when we play, when I seen that we were playing them second game of the season I thought I need to need to go out and prove it again Yeah, I can still still score goals and stuff like that and with the performance and stuff like that it was it was a good win for us and yeah it was very good. I enjoyed it. What have been your favourite parts of the season so far? Favourite part of the season? Um, I haven't got a favourite part, to be honest. Yeah. I think everything, the whole experience has been unbelievable. Like, I've never been with a bunch of lads where everyone just clicks. There's no one that no one gets along with. We're playing unbelievable football. We're scoring, we're creating so many chances. It's It's just... It's crazy that I'm a part of it, to be honest, <laughs> and that to see how far we could go or and stuff like that. It's just, uh, like I say, it's, it's a mad experience for me. All the coaches you can go in and speak to them and stuff like that. There's not, there's not like a scary person or like, oh, you feel nervous going in to see the gaffer or anything like. That. It's, it's just, it's just mad. It's just mad because everyone lives in the same area and stuff like that all in around in and around old town so you can just go and chill with them or whatever and stuff like that yeah. it's it's just it's just a bit mad i, I don't get i don't get how because i've always been like dead it's dead professional and stuff like that but it's like you work we work hard all week but we have a laugh at the same time and it's, it's just 
I've never seen anything like it where everyone just gets along and it's just crazy. Yeah. Quite unbelievable to be honest, yeah. I've never seen anything like it, yeah. When um I mean this this podcast is very pro Rob Hunt and you yeah. you live with Rob Hunt and I know yeah. I'll be I'll be very lucky to get Rob on this podcast because I don't think he's the most talkative chap outside of his Should've comfort zone. Should have said we could have got him on. Should we could have got him on with ah, me? Well, spoke if I were here. Gets <laughs> well, nervous without me. <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get you both on. But Rob Hunt's had a great season as well. But is it like an odd couple? How how Rob Hunt is a complete opposite of me. I'm always a bit full on, like people are trying to tell in training and stuff like, like chill out. <laughs> like, but he's dead. He's not quiet as such anymore because, like, like I say, all the lads are like, unbelievable. So they just get on with each other. But he likes to keep himself to himself and sit and chill. He's, he's a bit like an old man, Rob. <laughs> a bit like an old man. But he, um, because we're polar opposites, he, we just get along. Yeah. We just get along and we just clicked straight away. And like I say, I think we went in the office. I think we was all getting a flat and stuff like that. We went in the office and said, oh, can we just, can we live together? Could it be a ledge, ledge to live together sort of thing? I've never lived with anyone like that or like any of my mates or anything like that. So it's like just living with your friend. Obviously, you've got the same objectives and stuff like that. You're just going to play football every day. So it's good, yeah. Well, it could have ended in tears though. <laughs> yeah you're not wrong it could have it could have but like I say it's all worked out in the end so it's good yeah Richie Wellens loves to wheel out the stat which may not be 100% accurate nearer to the end of the season I'm not sure but he loves to wheel wheel out especially during the, the Doyle saga and indeed the Yates saga that Jerry Yates scores every time I play him up front do you when you hear that do you ever say well, play me up bloody front then yeah, there's been loads <laughs> of times. But, like I say, I'm happy to play anywhere because it's... The team's that, that good, like, just to be a part of it, it's, it's massive for yeah. me. And obviously, I'd do a job anywhere. Anyone asks me to play, I'm not bothered about that. I just run my cock off sort of thing. I'm don't really bother me. And, like I say, I only mess about. I go in the office like, any chance, Gaffer, are you going to put me up top or what? <laughs> but... With obviously with Doyle scoring so so many goals, it's like he's got, he scores every week. So I can't even go in the office any week and say, "Oh, he's not scored this week." Can I have a go? <laughs> so he's um, like I say, it's it's just it's just good to be a part of. I, I'll play anywhere, right wing, left wing, centre mid if you want me to, or centre back. I'm, don't bother me. I'll always put hundred percent into it, and yeah, um, it's it's good. It's good. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Proof that you're not just saying that to me is when Doyle scored at Plymouth and then there's that footage of you with your coat yeah. on running down uh, the touchline to join in in the celebrations you don't do that if you're just media trained do yeah. you? you you you're no. properly invested in it yeah it was massive because I come off and I thought oh you've not really played well there I've come off a bit early 60th minute or whatever and I just had a feeling. I said, if someone scores here, yeah, I'm going, I'm bolting. Because I would, like I say, I was just dying to win because it was a massive game for us all. And when he scored and everyone ran into the crowd, I thought, I'm gone. As soon as he'd ball at the back of the night, I just thought, I'm gone. and bolted down. And everyone's, obviously everyone on bench is like laughing at me, saying, what are you doing, you nutter and stuff like that. But it was, it was just more like relief that we just, 
like won the game in the last five minute or whatever it was, and I was just so happy. Like saying it was well worth the yellow card, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not as if it, I mean, well don't, worth the yellow card. Just don't do it again during that game, yeah, which, which you're already exactly. on the bench, so it's over there. <laughs> yeah. but, but what what was reassuring to us at the time, and it was funny because it just it was such a weird month, January, for everyone, for yourself, for fans, for Owen, yeah. for everyone, is that Owen gets called back to Bradford, perfectly understandable, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then it doesn't matter because Jerry goes up front and straight away back in the goals, happy day, scored against Bradford and crew yeah. and in all yeah. is well. And then, of course, it's beginning to become apparent that, that Rotherham needs you back because of injury crisis more than anything. Were you like, oh, yeah. Oh, gee, when when you got that call back? Yeah, yeah, I was. I think I was in the gym at the time at the ground, and I was obviously got a call off the gaffer back at Rotherham. Walked outside, he's explained everything to me. I walked back in, and I had the moodiest face ever. Obviously, not because just because I've finally got to um, play up from. I'm enjoying football at the minute and stuff like that, but I'm going back because we've got a slight injury. And obviously, at the time, I went straight in and told the gaffer, it was like, right, well, I'll speak to him and stuff like that. And uh, the gaffer reassured me, says, oh, the gaffer at Swindon reassured me, says, oh, he said to me that, um, what's it called? I'll, uh, I'll be, that I'll be back next week. I was like, oh, that's fine then. I'm only missing like a game or two. Yeah. And back at Rotherham, I went back to Rotherham, all fine and stuff like that. And... Obviously, I kept knocking on the door like, oh, can I go back now? Can I go back? And stuff like that. I think it was every day. I must have been so annoying, to be honest. And um, eventually, after after the game, uh, I came on at Peterborough, which which meant um, I was going back to Swindon or staying at Rotherham. Yeah. So, like I say, it was good for me. Yeah. And that- um, I wanted in the squad the day after, uh, on the Tuesday. But I think that was because I was going back to... Um, Swindon, yeah, the day the day after. So yeah, it was like I say the gaffer at Rotherham. He he kept his promise and said I could go back a week later, and I'm very thankful for that. So yeah, I was really really happy with what Warren did, really, because before yeah. you played against Peterborough, and it felt like that appearance was to tell the world that if he ain't playing for Swindon, he's playing for Rotherham because there were even yeah. some mild rumours that Oxford, for example, were looking at you and <laughs> things like that. And, I, and, and, yeah. I, and I, I, you know, that might've just been Oxford fans winding, winding Swindon fans up, but to, yeah. to bring you on so late on, I'm sure you still go out there and you want to try and sort of uh, get an equaliser, yeah, but it was just to put you on so late and therefore cancel out any interest from anywhere else. Was was from a Swindon fan's perspective really reassuring, wasn't it? And it, yeah, it, of course, it was good in that respect. And then you came back, and it was just a big shame that that Exeter game, which was a huge game, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Probably one of the most important games of the season for us. But, yeah. but the weather just absolutely killed it from being a spectacle. Yeah. And given the the crowd that was there, but since both you and Owen came back. Neither of you have been prolific, but the contribution yeah. from both of you and allowing some of the other guys, you know, to to get in the goals as well has been really, really good because what we've been saying all season long about Owen, about Jerry, that we're not a one-man team. We are like an 11. And yeah. when you guys weren't scoring, you were contributing with assists and, and, and being a part of the, the, the bigger the bigger 
picture when it comes to the play. And things just seem like before the season was suspended, I mean, it just really annoys me that we lost to Forest Green on, on the last one because I would yeah. have, I would have liked to have been top during all of this, regardless of what happens. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. It would have been nice just to be definitively top across the board because I will feel a little bit sorry for crew fans if PPG rightly um, <laughs> becomes the method. But it it, yeah. it just felt like... We had we even if we'd have a bad performance, we'd always come back with a with a better one afterwards. It just felt like promotion was so inevitable. Maybe not the championship, you know, we can't say definitively, but we would have been up there, wouldn't we? Yeah, definitely. Um, that was always our goal to get promoted, and because we was um, literally top for however long, we was there a long time. That was our goal then. We changed our goal to we want to be champions. We've gone and be champions and we've played good football. We've scored a lot of goals and stuff like that. So everyone's put a 10 pence worth in. Everyone's contributed and stuff like that. And like I say, every player is important from the defence, goalkeeper, midfield, all the way up to the strikers. So it's, um, there's some massive players and massive talents in that squad. So like I say... For me, I'd love to go back and play the last 10 games, but it's all out of everyone's hands and hopefully that'll get sorted this week or next week or something like that. So, yeah. For me, I'd have, I'd have said champions. We'd have gone up as champions, but that's because I'm confident and yeah. full of belief, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. A little bit me thinks crew were beginning to kick on a little bit, but we weren't going away. And I'm I'm a as far as football fans are concerned, I'm always like them. Oh, we're the ones that are going to wobble, but there was no yeah. showing of that. Of course, we lost to Forest Green Rovers, but yeah, but we course. have a we have a weird record against local teams where they seem to yeah. be far more pumped. I mean, we won't talk about that that Cheltenham goal that you scored must should have been one of the highlights of the season, and then what yeah. <laughs> what happens afterwards was just plain annoying. But um, I know. It, it's been it's yeah. been a hell of a hell of a season we've all really enjoyed it now this brings us to the listeners questions are you ready for this always ready yeah yeah should, should we get <laughs> should we should we get the the media trained question out of the way because we know what yeah. it is so so i mean almost a fair chunk of them are talking about staying at swindon town which i appreciate is p- completely out of your control at the moment but the, the vibe yeah, of, of the questions is do you want to stay? Would you be interested in a permanent move? Are you more interested in sort of trying, giving the championship a go with with Rotherham as well? What I mean, what's your frame of mind at the moment in regards to the future of Jerry Yates? Well, yeah, obviously, everyone's every footballer's aims to play as high as possible. But for me, I perform well when I'm happy somewhere. Like I say, I'm very happy at Swindon and stuff like that. So. Like I say, it's all out on my ends at the minute and you just have to wait till the summer for that one. So I, I, I don't really know what what really lies, to be honest, especially yeah. with what's happened and stuff with coronavirus and stuff like that. So we will just have to see. Yeah, absolutely. That's fair enough. And it's, it's one of yeah. those things where, you know... Swindon, Swindon would love to have you back, but there are various factors behind this because yeah, Roth- course, Rotherham yeah. can activate the deal that you know you're not. They can trigger that, and then it would have to be buying you and things like that. And yeah, and 
you know, on the other side, you've been at Rotherham a long time. Do you want to turn up for pre-season training in the hope that you're going to be a first-team regular and then be sent out on loan again and repeat until, you know, until until you do move on? So it is, it, who'd be a yeah. footballer, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of, <laughs> so frustrating. And like I say, when, when you come to a club and they make you feel so welcome and you're part of something, and that you're part of their plans and stuff like that, it's it's massive. And that's why I'm very, very happy here at the minute. Love like I say, I've got to go and speak to Rotherham and um, see what they say for next year. Because you never know, they might want me in their plans. And like I say, it can all change. But like I say, at the, at the moment, I'm very happy at Swindon. And, yeah. Cool. Okay, so we'll start with Kieran Hart's question because he sent the first one in. Uh, what's your favourite game of football ever played in or watched? Obviously, played in has got to be my debut. But like I say, I think this season's my favourite would have been Cheltenham away. I think <laughs> that was in the cup. Yeah, I don't know why, but it just would have been because the fans running on the pitch and stuff. We thought we'd won, and obviously, <laughs> it's never to be. But um, yeah, probably. There's so many this season. I'd probably say crew at home because I feel like we owed them. Uh, yeah. Owed the, owed them one to be honest because yeah. they did they did embarrass us at their place to be honest. So yeah. Kieran also asks, who's the hardest player you've you've played against? Hardest player I have played against. <sighs> Centre half wise. Do you know what I think? It's I'm probably going to have to say. Jamal Sells. Yeah. In the second game. I was, I think yeah, he bullied me. He bullied <laughs> me for 70 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah, he bullied me. Chucked me about. That's when I knew I thought, oh, Jesus. Might not be able to quit in the champion. Oh, yeah. He uh, did chuck me about a bit, yeah. Buster asks, why do you think your partnership with Owen Doyle has been so successful and so important in galvanising the season, especially between the fans, team and club as a whole? I mean, you you haven't been at Swindon beyond this season, but what has happened is a real fraction between the club and the fans. But this season, and I don't think it's purely because we're winning, I think it's more than that. Somehow the relationship between the club and the fans has begun to heal and it's been great. Why do you think that is? I think I think the lads the lads are giving their all and I don't I think fans that's that's all fans ask for. Wanna see a team give it their all and um, the way the lads have played and uh, I've always acknowledged the fans when they scored and we always go around clapping after the game no matter win or lose and um, they've got a lot of faith in us and they come in the numbers every week home and away and the support's mad they're always singing they're always loud so we've got to give something back to them and like I say it's it's, uh, it's massive for us when the crowds get gets behind us Yeah. obviously you can understand when they get a bit negative or something like that but it, that just comes with comes with the job but like I said we, we always work hard work hard for them really because it puts a smile on their faces without them football doesn't work Absolutely and what about the the relationship between you and Owen Doyle Owen when he was on the podcast yeah. he, he he said that you were better than him so there was not much that he could pass on what, <laughs> why, why, why do you think uh, it's works why do you think it's clicked? Yeah, that's nice thing to say to be honest but 
Nah, he's like I say I've seen him since his career. His, his goals speak for himself, and obviously when I when I got my red card and he come in, I was like, right. I didn't really think of it as a threat. I thought, oh, I can learn here. Like, his record speaks for itself, so I can watch, learn, see what he does, speak to him. He can help me out and make me improve. So I've always been like, not envious, but I've always wanted to watch and learn what he does because he's been there, done it, he's played at a high level and stuff like that. So it's, it's good to watch. And obviously, great lad as well. And he, um, he's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, just, everyone just gets along and I especially get along with him and he always helps me out and stuff like that. So yeah, it's cool. good. Lovely. Very good. Uh, proud to be a Moonraker says, when Owen Doyle scored the winner at Plymouth, do you think you would have won a race with Usain Bolt um, to get to the celebrations first? Let's say <laughs> yes or no? Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I think I was the fastest I'd run all day, all game as well. Because I got clocked. Because you were wearing the coat, it looked like a cape from afar as well, which was very, yeah. very funny. Um, Sam Randall <laughs> asks, what's the best prank you've done in the dressing room, or at least seen, if you haven't done many pranks? A few pranks? I don't know if we've really done think, pranks. There's um, Obviously, there's loads of stuff going on. It's just hiding stuff and hanging stuff up because I'd say they've got some bad gear or just hang it up in the dressing room and so everyone looks at it and walk in and stuff like that. I wouldn't say there's many bad pranks or anything like that. But yeah, that's what get, goes on. Everyone's just constantly messing about and winding each other up and stuff like that. So it's good to be a part of. Cool. James Grist asks, what's the best piece of footballing advice you've been given and who gave it to you? Oh, that's an hard one. That is a hard one. I don't know. I can't even think off the top of my head. you just got to play with a smile on your face. I won't say anyone give it me. Probably just my granddad. It's like, play with a smile on your face and work hard and things will come to you. So, yeah, it's- it's about as good as you can get out of me, to be honest. About advice. We'll take it. Alex Carter says, what's your favourite goal of the season been for you? My favourite goal? Probably crew. Crew. Crew at home. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Joe Vincent says, if you had to pick a five-a-side team from the current crop of town players, who would you go for? BFG in the net. Uh, Dion Conroy. Anthony Grant. Keshi Anderson. Doyle. That's a good team, isn't it? That's a good team. Strong, isn't it? It's so strong. strong. Hanrahan, he's a hopeless romantic, his old Hanrahan. Rahan. He says, no questions, just a big salute. Jezza, you are the heartbeat, uh, the biggest <laughs> of beating hearts. Just want to say thank you for being the blood, sweat and endeavour. It's also so obvious seeing the lads following your example, hoping we turn the lone legend into something permanent. Isn't he, isn't he sweet? <laughs> <laughs> no, led for that nice one. Means <laughs> um, a lot. Johnny asks, who is the best finisher in training and who always sends them into the bushes? Who sends him into the bushes? Kane Woolery. Oh, Jesus. I can hit some corkers and then he'll just smash one. And it'll just literally, he's got such a heavy foot. So powerful. So that could go anywhere. But finishes, you've got to go with Keshi or Doyler. Nice. Uh, just, yeah. Justin Morton says, did you know that Owen Doyle had signed before you did the unveiling video as you do sound genuinely shocked when you see him? No, yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a clue. Um, 
the media guy was following me around and um I heard the rumours obviously because you see him on Twitter and stuff but um then I walked into the office and I didn't expect to be seeing Doyle there, not at all. But yeah, it was uh it was nice to see him back. He was nice to see him back. Nice. Uh Jack Tanner asks, if you could play for any one non European club for a season, which one would it be? Probably into Miami. Yeah, why not? Enjoy that sunshine. Yeah. Um exactly. Tyler yeah. asks, if he buys you enough cheesecake, would you stay permanently? Yes or no? <laughs> that is my favourite cheesecake, I'll be honest. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Peters asks, if you were stuck on a desert island with Richie Wellens, Anthony Grant, Michael Doughty, Paul Caddis and Owen Doyle, who is surviving the longest and who is going to struggle the most? I think struggle would be um, Granty because he'd get bored. He'd get so bored. But survive, survive. Probably doubts. Probably doubts. He's cleverest, I'd say. Then mm. again, Doyle might be in with a shout, but yeah, cleverest. And nothing. He'd know what to do. Doubts. Yeah, Bobby Dickinson asks: Are you secretly happy when Doyle isn't playing, as he as you get the chance to play on top up top on your own <laughs> rather than being pushed to the wing? Obviously, it's nice to play up top, but I'm not. It doesn't really bother me that much. Like. As long as we win, I'm not bothered. And the final question is, would you rather fight an elephant-sized chicken or a chicken-sized tiger? Chicken-sized tiger. I feel like I'd just boot it. I think you'd be able to fancy your chances to get away at least. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, Jerry, we have no idea what is happening next. By the time that this episode comes out, we might know a little bit more. So, you know, you may never play for Swindon again. You might come back. But from on behalf of all the Swindon fans, thank you very much for your contribution from the season, hopefully so far. Um, And thank you for being on the pod. Ledge, thank you for that nice one. Enjoyed it. The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 